Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Happy Throwback Thursday, everybody. Happy Throwback Thursday. We are very excited. First of all, Kevin, how was your week? I'm sorry. I just, uh, I just yeah. wanted to get right to business. How <laughs> well, was your wait, week? Wait, it, well, because we have a special, it's a special episode, we so we, we want to get to business. But uh, <laughs> my, week, my week is good. I mean, we've, we've got family and sort of visiting, and so we're just, you know, having, having a nice time seeing each other. And Crawford is walking all over the place, uh, my one-year-old, as everyone knows. And so it is uh, chaos constantly. It is exciting, but chaos constantly. I, I absolutely love that. I How are absolutely you? love that. I'm, you know what? I'm doing great, and we'll talk about this more next week. But I have found somebody that was actually on Stairway to Stardom. <laughs> and I just paid $100 to go to one of their master classes. I thought you were joking. I thought you were kidding, Ron. No, but we'll, we'll talk more about that next week because I think by next week I'll have taken the master class. But Holy I'm very, very excited. Shit. Also, very quickly for our friends, yeah. just a reminder, our uh, trivia that we're doing every weekend, which is going to benefit different nonprofits. Um, we realized that the one scheduled for Saturday is July 4th. So we're postponing that one. There will be no trivia this Saturday on the 4th. We will pick back up again again on Saturday, July 11th. And don't forget the theme that time is going to be the musicals of the 2010s, the musicals of the 2010s. So Buckle up. <laughs> dust, dust off your bandstand, re-listen to some Amelie and we'll bring, and we'll bring you back. I like bandstand. And we'll a lot of vocal and, fry coming for you. Oh my God. And we'll be, we'll be back and we'll be riffing. But right now we're going to go back. It's so weird. We're going to go back in time, but also go back in time through a very fresh and contemporary lens. And Kevin, I'm going to let you take it because I know how excited you are. Yeah, our, our favorite thing this week, I'm, I'm so I'm like so excited, uh, as you guys could probably tell. Uh, our, our favorite thing this week is an album um, and, and an artist uh, and a really, 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 really important artist uh, who, who we lost just a couple years ago, and that would be Liz Suedos. A very famous off-Broadway, uh, well, I mean Broadway, I mean she was famously nominated for four Tony Awards in one season for Runaways, but um, th- there's a new album uh, that Ghostlight has put out called The Liz Suedos Project uh, and I, I just I highly recommend everybody to listen to this, uh, buy it, consume it. It is just a fantastic celebration of the work and artistry of Luis Suedos. And of course, you on the album, you have all these great artists of today um, that are singing it, very much edgy, contemporary artists of today. Uh, and our favorite thing uh, is that album. But really, our favorite thing is the artist and man uh, behind. I, I mean, I all the press releases are like, oh, these are the singers. But I really think it should be like, this gentleman is the arranger and orchestrator and the reason why it is just so effing cool. So Chris Kukul, who is a music director, a ranger, orchestrator, extraordinaire. Uh, he last was doing Beetlejuice on Broadway and uh, we could run through his resume, but he is a fantastic uh, musician in our community. Uh, and we have him today. Welcome to our show, Chris. Thank you. Hi, guys. Oh Hi, gosh. Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're, we're so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Rod. I was gonna, no, I was just going to say we're, so, we're absolutely so happy to have you. So I'm, I'll start off, Chris, and then Kevin, it's all you because I don't want to take away from your fandom. (laughs) So, you know, Chris, when did you first meet Liz Suedos and how did you, how did you two connect to each other? Well, I actually started my career as a music director with Liz. I was, um, I was an actually acting major at NYU. Um, When I got out of school, I, um, 
I, I played piano as well. So I kind of on the side did a lot of music stuff. And when I got out of school, I started playing piano for classes um, at Tisch. And they, uh, they, Liz was doing a senior project mm-hmm. and they, um, they hired me to work with her. They kind of like set us up basically on a blind date. Um, and so we did that project that was in 2000. And I worked with her pretty much from then until she passed away in 2016. And to, to like, you know, go into a little more detail, what, what was it like working with her? You know, we all know that uh, there's a thousand different kinds of composers, some that read and write music, some that have an opinion about certain things. What kind of collaborator was she like when you were in the room with her and she was creating a new song or something like that? Um, not really like anyone else that I've encountered in my <laughs> life yet. Um, she, her, the basis of her work was collaboration, be it with music directors or actors or, and that you can see that in Runaways, you know, she had contributions from everyone involved. Right. Liz, um, she played guitar. And so she kind of started out as like, a in the late sixties, early seventies as like a folky singer songwriter. Um, mm-hmm. and so she, um, at, at that point in her life, couldn't write anything down. So at some point, she learned how to write music down in paper, um, but she didn't play piano. So, you know, she would write chords and melody and then rely on her music directors to then flush out some piano arrangements and um, right. to work on vocal arrangements and to, and to all of that. So it really was like having that be my first experience was really trial by fire. It was like sink <laughs> or swim. She was like, here's some stuff written down and here's a band and some actors go, you know? So I, I really like from the get go, kind of had to figure out how to do everything. Um, and that is now my career is is not focused on one thing. I, I tend to find jobs where I um, I do have like, do do all the jobs <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah i mean and that's i i imagine there's there's like a lot of freedom there as as the yeah. collaborator because you get to sort of there's have a lot of freedom you get to create with her but then i i imagine the first couple of times that that could be a little daunting as as well i mean kind there, of like i had <laughs> no idea what i was doing i mean <laughs> very very daunting and yet, um, if you can make it through it then it's going to make yeah. it even better where you are to this but day. But she also imagine. had like, you know, the thing about Liz and all of the actors that have worked with her and um, everyone says the same thing, which is that she had no, um, she, she had no patience for fear or, um, or, or believing that you couldn't do something. And so <laughs> she just, by forcing you to do all these things, you just believed you could do it. And if she believed you could do it, then you just did it. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because she knew you were able or because that, that, that mindset makes you, I don't know, but um, it's uh, her, her belief in people. It was a, a very powerful thing. And I imagine it would be, it behoove you to to subscribe to that. I mean, to to, to sign up for that idea. I mean, because, you know, not everyone has that sort of very esoteric kind of free thinking kind of way, uh, exactly. you know, exactly. and, and I, I, I'm just fascinated by it. And then I think that also explains a little bit why a lot of her material wasn't preserved. I mean, we don't have, you know, we, we were joking beforehand, the, the couple albums, because collectors out there know, you've got little <laughs> Doonesbury, you've got Ratmaster Ronnie, you've got Runaways, of course, but there's not, you know, a, not a ton of stuff 
um, that has been preserved um, over the years. Uh, and I wonder if that has to do with because, it, it, you know, she would do a project and move on, go to the next thing. I mean, she was, it seemed Absolutely. like she was. And, and I, I also think it was interesting. Uh, and we can, I definitely want to talk about the album after this, but she always was hungry for to write about a cause that people weren't writing about uh, in, in this time period, you know, like yes. runaways. Oh, okay. Really? That's okay. Um, really a, a song, uh, the song on the album is, is Sophia's song about, you know, child prostitute. I mean, that is, that is some, some heavy stuff to, uh, to musicalize, uh, especially in the seventies. Uh, and especially from people that were actually experiencing that. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, and I'm so glad that this album is here with us now to to bring a little more light to to her and and to shine it um chris i'm so curious was was the lack of content of hers available one of the inspirations for for creating this album Uh, a thousand percent i mean as you guys know musicals live and die by cast albums i mean that is what creates a legacy that's why shows live on um you know uh there a lot of the, to, to to speak about her her past. So she did you know a string of shows at the public theater because she really was like jo- Joseph Papps. Joseph Papps was her mentor, and he really took her under his wing. And you know there were you know eight to ten shows that were full productions done. That it was a time when there was no Sibelius or finale, so people didn't it wasn't easy to copy music. It was very expensive. So unless it was a Broadway show, they was getting licensed. There weren't charts made. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, organizations like Ghostlight, it's been their mission to record, you know, off-Broadway shows, smaller musicals, and that didn't exist in the 70s. Yeah. So all of these like weirdish um, avant-garde downtown things could have just disappeared. Um, and we, one of the goals was to make sure that her legacy continues and that we have a record of some of the stuff that she's written and to prove that it, um, how varied her work was and how expansive it was. Well, how, so let's talk about some of these, these I mean, the, the, the album, which is just, it's, I think it's so smartly laid out. It's so smartly done. I, you, there's a definite arc to it. It's like, it's like seeing a show. I think the way it, it, it you know, you've paced it, all of the songs, you know what I mean, Rob? Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's beautifully curated. And mm-hmm. if I had not known better, I would have thought it was like a, a Liz Suedos review mm-hmm. that was seen mm-hmm. on a stage and had just been recorded but yeah the curation of it is fantastic yeah so i (laughs) i worked for 10 years as the resident music director of the williamstown theater festival yeah yeah my main job there was their late night cabarets so i spent years totally of course i mean just all the the magic of those kind of shows is the order of songs once you figure out how to do that the shows take care of themselves um and so putting the cd together was the it's the same thing it's oh totally like, you can see that you well, can it shows. That, yeah that, i mean i wrote like an arc in my notes i was like that was like my favorite thing i love that the flow of it yeah and and so also you know some of these songs if you were to go back and listen to an early recording of it from the original there it's gonna sound pretty updated um how Definitely. how much yeah and how so of course because you You've, you've collaborated with her for so long. Um, were some of these arrangements she aware of? Uh, were they some that you just knew that she would have her blessing and that that would be, you know, you you just knew that it would work? I mean, how did you um, come up with these new arrangements? Well, I think that um, the songs that have already been recorded, we took kind of radical changes to the arrangements mm-hmm. yeah. and we rethought them. Some of the songs that hadn't been recorded, um, the arrangement is closer to what they were, um, but also those arrangements are a little bit lost. 
you know, so I don't actually know what some of the original instrumentations were. Um, there are some archival recordings that I did with Liz of songs, mm. but those were also rearranged from the original. So, um, and, and like, as we talked about the collaboration, Liz really lived in the moment. And so whatever mm. people were around her, the, the songs took on the energy of those musicians and those actors. Um, and I, I just think I, I was, I worked enough with her that I, I have a, I, I have a sense of what she would <laughs> approve or disapprove of. <laughs> I believe you. I believe yeah, you for sure. But, um, but yes, yeah, so there, that was definitely the guiding, the guiding light. That's yeah. And, and I must say that, you know, while the songs are all from such eclectic different shows, you know, the arrangements, the, the, the orchestrations, they, there is definitely a theme. I mean, there's definitely a musical theme throughout all of it. There's like this edgy sort of, I hesitate to put any words to what you've, the work you've done, but <laughs> our audiences might use the words like, Oh, it's like Hades town. Or there's like a, you know, this sort of like, it's like funky, but like bluesy and jazzy. I don't know how else to describe it, but it is yeah. firmly musical theater and they're theatrical, but it is, it is, uh, it's as soon as I played it, I thought, oh my gosh, I, 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 this is how I felt when I listened to Hadestown, I guess. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that yeah. is how current it felt. It, yeah, it felt like it could have been written yesterday. Mm -hmm. Was that an intention of yours, Chris, mm -hmm. to, to give it that fresh Absolutely. filter? Absolutely. I think it was also the intention of the people that we chose to sing on the album. Um, I mean, I think that shows like Hadestown and Natasha Pierre, and mm. they, they all kind of owe a debt of gratitude to the kind of stuff Liz and others were doing in the 60s and 70s. Definitely. Um, and they're more fleshed out versions of that type of theater. Um, but what we were trying to, I guess, like the story of that we're trying to tell with the album is that Liz's legacy exists in the like the youngish current crop of writers and actors that are have in the past couple of years mm. just showing up and filling Broadway. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. There is, you know, there's always been a movement from downtown theater to uptown, but it's, it's definitely increased and it's um, more sought after and right. it's, um, they're blurring. The lines are blurring a little bit, I think sure. too, yeah, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also I, like, it's not like, you know, sometimes there are shows that, Uptown people go downtown to make them and then they transfer. Yeah. All of the people are that we've chosen, their roots are um, at Ars Nova and the public and Joe's Pub. And it's all of those people, all of those places that have shown up uptown, but that is not where they started. You know? Right. And, oh, and Chris, can you tell, I'm so sorry, Chris, can you tell us a couple of people that actually, that, that appear on the recording? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so um, we have, there are some composers and some actors. I love the that. composers are like Grace McLean and Michael R. Jackson and the Banksons and Heather Christian and she Dave Malloy. Dave Malloy. Um and uh who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? But Taylor uh, Mack is Taylor on Mack. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Taylor Mack definitely rides the line between actor and performer. <laughs> yes. I mean they yes. all kind of do. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, and then there are performers like Dame Madonna and Ali Stroker and Amber Gray and uh, Star Busby, mm -hmm. um, Sophia and Caruso. You know, it just it's a it's a startling array of people. I have to say, yeah. And and I'm so curious, how many of them, when you approached them, knew who she was and knew the legacy? I'm I'm so curious to know what their reaction was. All of them, for sure. I would say 70% of them had worked with Liz at some point, um, either as a student or as a music director. Um, the rest of them, 
if they didn't directly work with Liz, they worked with all of those people and Liz was always in, in the, the sphere. So they knew, they were familiar with their colleagues doing shows with Liz and working with Liz and hearing about it. And so they were all very, very familiar. I think it's interesting. So many writers uh, are on there. Yeah. I just think that's a it's, it's a symbol of of how much she meant to other other writers and, and you know yeah. Inf- yeah. influence. Yeah, Rob, sorry, continue. Oh no, I was going to say, Chris, if there's somebody who doesn't know her work, what song on this album would you give them and say Oof. this is really the essence Oof. and definition of who she is? Oof. I know, I know, I know. No pressure. <laughs> I mean, maybe the final song. I mean, like a change shall come is a big like political anthem. Um, that is also very, she loved choral music. She loved harmony and choral mm-hmm. singing. And that's a big giant choral anthem. Um, so I think that's important. Um, there's also a track of Liz herself singing this song. It's called The Bird Song. It's insane. It's absolutely it's the, One of the stranger cool. things I've ever listened yeah. to, but it, it's, um, it's eccentric, but in a way that's so brilliant at the same time. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there are no words and she has a million different sounds happening. And so uh, but it's not like, it. tweet, tweet, tweet. I mean, it's hard to no. describe. It sounds so stupid when you describe it, but it's pretty glorious. It's, and, Totally individual and unique. Yes, yes, like her. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. No, I'm just. I, I just love that, and I, I'm glad you included something like that. And I think when you listen to the whole arc of the album, you it just helps you get more perspective on who she was. Um, you know, some people would say, you know, how come she, we don't? The the I've, I've listened to another interview with you, and everyone's always like, how come she? No, we don't know her. Um, right. But and I think it is because she she wasn't about commercial theater and it was all really about you know the the, the politics of the times um how do you how do you think she stayed current like why you know you 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 were like how old when you met her <laughs> like you were at the, the formative years as they say uh, yeah, very young very and yet you know why did you stay with her so long because you traveled all over the world with her i mean you yeah, I, yeah. weren't you with the greek uh, there's a the greek yeah theater? yeah, yeah we, we well we worked for three years at the national theater of greece doing um ancient Greek tragedies where she, you know, she's her really, her breakthrough in New York city was a, a show at La Mama with Andre Serban. That was um, uh, the, the Greek trilogy. It was Medea and Antigone and then one more. I'm not sure which mm-hmm. one. Um, Seven against Thebes maybe. Um, but they, so they did this crazy, this late sixties um, and it really took New York by storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all in ancient Greek in like chanting and choral and there was nothing spoken. And, um, it was like exactly what you think of crazy six, 1960s weird <laughs> New York City off off Broadway theater to be. That cliche actually came out of that show. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that so we did a lot of work in Greece with these like ancient Greek tragedies, and that was amazing. And um, she wrote another show that was like celebrating La Mama that also toured all over the world called the La Mama Cantata. That, mm-hmm to Japan and took Turkey and um, Italy and all over Eastern Europe. And so, yes, we traveled around. It was amazing. Um, I think the reason she has been able to stay current is because she always valued young people mm-hmm. and she was always working with young people, whether it be through teaching. She often taught at NYU. She did shows with young people. It was, she wrote children's books. It was always a part of her. Um, and yeah. I think that's, that's how you stay young, you know? Yeah. And I'm so curious because she was so formative in so many contemporary writers uh, creations. Why is she not really mentioned in the the musical theater history books? And, 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 and why does she not come up in the same breath as so many other people um, that produced less work than she put out in the, in the span of her career? Um, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think as we said before, the lack of cast albums is a big, Thing. The fact that, I mean, there are three really 
one is kind of the only one that matters, which is mm-hmm. Runaways. Um, Doonesbury, she wasn't like the most thrilled with her <laughs> writing on that show. And Ratmaster Ronnie was a weird HBO movie of its time that I'm sure was like so cutting edge, but it's just not something that, you know, kids are going to be singing for 16 bars when they're just the University, <laughs> University of Michigan. Um, if they do, I'm going to hire them on the spot. <laughs> Bless them. Yeah. Um, there is a good audition song in Deansbury, though. This song, Just One Night, that became, for like two years, yep. every tenor was in yep. it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so lack of cast albums. I also think, you know, Liz wasn't comfortable in commercial theater. Mm. She didn't, um, you know, like you said before, she, you know, um, Social justice was kind of the bedrock of her work, and there was a time when no one was interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she refused to to not be true to herself for for bad or for good. Um, I think at some point there was an, actually an interview with with uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, uh, about ten years ago. Um, and he was talking about how you have to, as an artist, you have to bend a little bit, you know? And he said, the only person <laughs> who I know, who I can think of, who had just refused to bend was Liz Suedos. <laughs> you know? but, and it, but then that keeps you in the place where you want to be yeah. and doesn't allow you, you know? So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's complicated and it's sad. And I, you know, I hope we can continue her legacy and keep her stuff alive. You know? Oh, I think this album is certainly a, the step in the right direction for sure. I mean, this, yeah, this album is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the orchestrations on <laughs> the arrangements, every, everything on this is just so wonderful. I'm curious, do you think there might be a volume two down the line? Yeah, I have the uh, list already. I know Good. volume two and volume three are all ready to go. Amen to that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I great. love that. There's just so uh, much material. And, um, I, I, I would just say one more thing that, um, about 10 years ago, Liz got a very large grant to do an archival project where she made studio recordings of all of her shows, not for release, just for herself to have, um, oh. because nothing was written down, nothing was recorded. Um, so I spent a couple of years actually transcribing from like bad cassette tapes and videos and whatever rehearsal notes and trying to cobble together all these shows. So then I became familiar with her body of work. Um, and which is what made it sort of easy to make these albums because I know what there is to choose from, what's the good stuff, the bad stuff, you know, um, so, it's yeah. it's well we cannot wait for volumes two three and hopefully 10 11 12 <laughs> down the line and once again folks so this is available via ghostlight records but it's also on apple music as well and kevin i think you got yours on spotify. yeah it was on spotify it's on all yeah. the streaming places buy it buy the album um but yeah it, it just but please listen to these songs and check them out because i i i you know i listened to an interview where shana tell was saying you know when i was 15 i think this is the album that i would have loved and listened to yeah i agree i listened to it and i thought i thought this is my songs for a new world this is this it is so current edgy and i'm I'm excited for people to listen to these songs and use them and sing them and 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 get and celebrate the work of los suedos because it needs to be needs to be and it's yeah and it's also i think also for for us collectors it's so cool to note that there's 19 songs on this album and 14 i believe are world premiere recordings Mm -hmm. is that right chris that's right wow jeez 
so this is, fact. I mean, yeah. this is, I mean, this is collector's gold. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is collector's gold. And it also gives us a chance to explore and celebrate somebody who I don't think has gotten the credit that they deserve. And maybe this will lead to a few, a couple of more revivals of her works and yeah. we'll, we'll, and we'll get stuff, we'll stuff back out there. But Chris, I, thank you so much for creating such a beautiful, wonderful album. Oh, you are welcome. Yeah, thank absolutely you incredible work. Yeah. Really stellar. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead, thank folks, you. buy it. The Liz Suedos yes. album. It's amazing. And then tweet at us, Instagram us, Snapchat us, if you're old school, Telegram us and let us know what you thought about Liz's album because it really is fantastic. All right. Take All right. care. Thank you, Chris Kugel. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Kugel. Bye. Bye. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.